Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Leupold's Hunt Talk Radio. Uh, in a few minutes here, we're going to have Marcus and Michael join me. Uh, I always do the, the introductions uh, in advance in the, in the sponsor role. Uh, this one we're going to, this episode is going to be about kind of a mid-season update. We're kind of where archery seasons convert over to rifle seasons. And we're going to talk about all the elk hunts we've had so far this season. Those guys have had some good luck out there. Uh, we've had a lot of fun, some close encounters on all of our hunts, but, uh, Got to make sure that the world knows who makes these podcasts possible. Uh, we call it Leupold's Hunt Talk Radio for a reason. Uh, Leupold is the maker of fine, fine optics and a huge supporter of public lands, of everything that we do, uh, access of conservation, you name it, they do it. Uh, and they are relentless in their pursuit of giving you better optics. And I'm just grateful for all they do for so many things related to hunting and conservation. Go to leupold.com, and when you go to your fine retailer, uh, you'll also be able to see their product there. Look for anything with that gold ring on it, and I can assure you it was made in Beaverton, Oregon. Um, then we have Orion Coolers. Um, Orion Coolers. Go there, orioncoolers.com. Use promo code Randy, and they now, in addition to making the world's coolest, just bomb-proof, super-duty cooler, they also make dog kennels, orionkennels.com. And promo code Randy, whether you're buying a cooler or a kennel, is going to save you 20% off your order. So go there, orioncoolers.com, orionkennels.com, and when you check out, Use promo code Randy, R-A-N-D-Y, and off you go. And then we have Onyx Maps. It's, I mean, in this podcast, you're going to hear us talk about Onyx this, Onyx that. And it's just that critical to our planning, our e-scouting, and our time out in the field. So go to onyxmaps.com. Any of their hunt apps, uh, their app products, uh, use promo code Randy, and again, save 20%. It's, I mean... How can you not? Uh, it's it's that. <laughs> it, it really is one of those how do I live without it kind of products. And lastly, we have uh, GoHunt.com. Um, just an incredible uh, group of people. They are. <clears throat> they. I, I got to tell you about three things with them right now. Uh, through October thirty first. They have a 30-day free trial, October 31st of 2019. Go to gohunt.com forward slash Randy, and you'll land on the page for this 30-day free trial of their insider service. This insider service is what we use to do all of our research for drawing tags. And this year, we have a pile of tags among us and friends and family and the crew. And I know people think that there's some gig. It, it's really... All the tools that you need to analyze and slice and dice every Western state is right there on the Insider. And whether it's the draw odds, the strategy articles, the research, the over-the-counter units, all the analysis of those, and the harvest percentages, and the bull-to-cow ratios, and there's just so much there. Well, through October 31st, you can get a 30-day free trial. 
If you get this podcast downloaded after October 31st, the 30-day free trial is gone, but you can still get a benefit. Use promo code Randy, R-A-N-D-Y, when you sign up for real, uh, and they're going to give you $50 of mad money in their gear shop. So $50 of free store credit in their gear shop. Which gets me to the last part of what's out there with Go Hunt and our partnership is if you go to their gear shop, and this is serious backcountry hunting stuff. This is, there's no downstreamer kind of fake product out there. If you use promo code Randy when you check out at the gear shop, you're going to save 10% on your order. But you got you can't use your free store credit and save 10%. You've got to do all these separate things. So... Uh, I know it's a little confusing right now because I got so many promos going for our audience, but try to do the 30 day free trial. If you don't do that, you know, if, if it's past the date, use promo code Randy when you check out and you're going to get $50 of free store credit. Uh, then anytime after you've used your store credit, any other purchases beyond that, Use promo code Randy when you're at their store and you're going to save 10% on everything in your cart. So I'm going to get Marcus and Michael in here and we're going to give you the the middle of elk season update. Thanks for being here. All right, folks. I told you that uh, once we click the, the button here that we'd have the successful elk hunters on the podcast with me. Uh, that would be Michael to my left and Marcus on my right. Uh, what do you guys say we give a mid-season update? Let's do it. What's Sounds today? Sounds good. October what? 10th, That's 11th? A great question. I don't it's like, like uh, mid, somewhere in there. Early I think October. it might be the 10th. October 11th. 11th, okay. It's two months ago today we launched to Nevada. Oh, Marcus, you even were out on the Yellowstone the week before that. So you've been August on, 1st. Yeah, you've been on the road pretty much since August 1st. Yeah. And so if people wonder why there's been a blank spot in our podcast schedule, that's our excuse. Been but, in the field a lot, but Marcus in, especially, and you. <laughs> you know what they say about excuses. No. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> They're like assholes. Everyone has one and they all stink. <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, yeah. But Grandma used to one. say they're like armpits. Everyone has a couple and they all stink. <laughs> Grandpa was the one who said the other part. So, Did you good. know that one? I I have heard it, but yeah, I, I forgot. <laughs> but. So I, I, I'm like Grandma's version. I got a couple excuses for, for mine. But. Good. Anyhow, first elk hunt was yours, Michael. Yep. I didn't get to go. I haven't seen the footage. I was gone when you released it on YouTube, so... Yeah. Did I'll, you get to watch any of it? Mm. Okay. I, I haven't had a connection for... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. Because when the, we were editing it, you guys were... Yeah. I looked at BC. the comments. They were really good. Yeah, it seemed like people liked it. Yeah. So was it what you thought it'd be? You know, it was... It wasn't, it wasn't... Like, I was really nervous about Everything I read and talked to about, you know, with you and with other people who, you know, the the BLM guys and the the biologists all were, you know, they were really excited about the rifle part of the hunt. Yeah. So I was kind of worried about the archery and like trying to find elk and all that stuff. Like I, the night before season, I was having nightmares that we were going to wake <laughs> up and not find elk. And so I mean. 
<laughs> Michael's over in his Hilleberg yeah. over there, rolling around. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> so it was, in like like we did that e scouting series. So we, I kind of. When I got there, I kind of felt like I had an idea about, you know, what the terrain was going to look like and everything. And it was and it wasn't. I mean, we I thought I was gonna, we were going to find more cows and there would be, you know, cow elk everywhere. And there really wasn't. It was, uh, it was really interesting because, like, the first three days, we didn't see a single cow. No. And that was really? like, yeah, that was our, that was our strategy, right? Like, yeah. get, find the cows. Find find the cows. The yeah, exactly. And so, um, yeah, it was it was interesting. There was it, when we got there, we found out it was a lot road, a lot more eroded than we expected. There was a lot of gas and oil and gas mm-hmm. going in. Yeah, there's like new roads that yeah. were not on satellite imagery. I mean, you know, they put them in that year probably. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I mean, it was about what I expected with the hunting pressure, like uh knowing that most people use that tag for the rifle part of the season i kind of expected us not really to see a lot of people and and we didn't we did have like one guy that we saw almost every night we kind of camped near each other was he a resident or non-resident no, no. he's he's from california yeah. okay. do you remember his name I don't. I forget his huh. name. I I've probably kept, said I've, it in the footage. Yeah, I've kept up with him, and he wound up. Uh, he wound up killing an elk on the first day of the rifle season. Oh, really? He came oh, back. I didn't hear that. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, the hunting pressure was. It wasn't. It was. You know, it was really cool. I guess to go back, it was this, for the people who don't know. Is this uh, special permit? Like, you have to build points, uh, accumulate points over years to draw the tag. I got lucky and drew it with two two points but so we got to explain that yeah to the audience yeah. how wyoming works yeah since you didn't have enough points to draw in the preference point part of it you drew in the random part of it because yeah. wyoming 75 percent of the tags go by preference point and 25 percent are just random anyone who applied yeah. regardless of points so marcus applied i applied and you applied and i was lucky one to get one yeah. yeah. What what were there uh, like uh, something around a hundred or a hundred and five random applicants for? I don't know the numbers. You, you probably know the numbers way better than me, but I know that it was very low yeah, odds, odds of me getting it. Yeah. And so I got lucky. And this guy who we talked with, he had I think nine points is what Ooh, he had. Wow. So he had yeah, and he, he had came out and scouted in the, in the summer. Mm-hmm. And he saw some bulls, and he was all excited. He just had a little bit different style of hunting. He was mm-hmm. more so uh, like I'm gonna sit in a tree stand or like ambush mm-hmm. kind of kind of hunting. And I, I don't know. We we I mean we were done on the third day, so we kind of lost contact. Like we were camping next to each other, so we would we would keep in contact. But that night, uh, the the morning that we killed, we wound up leaving that area, so we never got to you know, connect with him again. I got his number, so I, I sent him the video and everything after mm-hmm. we published it, and he told me that he, he had uh, got one. But, yeah, I mean, it was it was really cool. Um, a lot of the areas that I had marked on our, on our maps were indeed good, and then some of them weren't. So, like, that scouting day that we went, uh, the Saturday before season, mm-hmm. like, we just – we found those bulls in the morning. We found mm-hmm. probably like 15 bulls total. And then like five, six of them were like real close. And then uh, we just, you know, the rest of the day we didn't really see anything. And yeah, I mean, we just, 
a lot, like I said, a lot of the areas were good. There were some spots where it was like, okay, like I'm literally my pin that I had marked from our, our e-scouting series, like these bowls are a hundred yards from them. So hmm. it was that part, it, it worked out well. And the only thing that was really, you know, kind of threw us for a loop, I'd say, is the fact that we didn't see cows. And these bulls were definitely, like, I guess it shouldn't have been as weird to me, but, like, they were definitely in bachelor groups uh, until we, that that day where we found that huge elk herd. Right. Um, No, because only cow, we saw some cows on private, but even then it wasn't, like, because we, we had heard that there would be huge cow groups down on this private land. And I, they probably were there. But what we could see of it, there was this, like, we saw one herd. Yeah. Hmm. But then everything that was on public was bachelor groups of bulls. Yeah. Just, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, yeah, we never saw a cow on public until. Hmm. So yeah, that's that, that, that transition period when they're going from their summer pattern, which they are in bachelor groups in August, yeah. to pre-rut. Mm-hmm. which is usually early September. So, Marcus, yeah. you you often haunt the first week of September. Yeah. I like it. So, yeah. I mean, I think the I mean, it was a little different where we were at in Wyoming, but yeah, I don't know, the bulls are they were still bugling, they're cruising around, they're figuring stuff out, they're raking, wallowing this, I don't know, sorting out huh. what's going on, but I guess the kicker in Wyoming was yeah, this is the lack of cows. Because at least like where I where I usually hunt, you know, or have hunted is you find cows and bulls. They aren't necessarily rutting hard, but they're in the same proximity. Yeah, the bulls are close to the cows, and there'll be some smaller bulls with the cows, and yeah. then they're they're all in the same general main drainage. But yeah, here it was like we couldn't find a cow. It was wow. weird. <laughs> it was yeah, and it. I, again, going back to, like, was it what I expected? In terms of, like, playing the boundary game, it was. Like, we were often hunting near boundaries. Mm-hmm. And that was something that, like, if you watch the series, we eventually decided, well, me more so. I know that, Marcus, like, there's one morning where we we were, like, right on the boundary and, like, there's a really nice bowl. And I was just like, we're not going after that. Like, it, I, <laughs> yeah, we just walked away of, from it. Yeah, yeah, in terms of playing the boundary game, like you could you could definitely be successful out there doing it and it was it was it was a good strategy cuz the bulls were near that that right. sanctuary area. Mm-hmm. Even though it was the first part of the season, they aren't pressured. They definitely like that is when we talked with one of the ranch hands there and he was like, "Yeah, this woman like this is an area like she this is her elk sanctuary she has this land for elk Mm -hmm. and so it there and we we could see in some of the spots that we were hunting we could see you know tons of bulls down there yeah Yeah. so in that sense like it was what i expected i just opted eventually to like not play that game anymore and find is it unnerving for me it was like for me it (laughs) was yeah i mean i know a lot of people do do that and that's fine and it's it's legal. You can do it. You can hunt near a boundary. There's nothing wrong with it. But right. for me, like I just when I'm full draw, I want to know like I can. I don't have to deal with anything after. Yeah. So, um, no, I, when I hunt boundaries like that, I don't hunt them when they're coming off the private onto the public because usually, an animal if they get hit, they're going to retreat to a place they know they already came through that was safe. So they're going to retreat back to the private most often. But I'll hunt boundaries with them coming from the pro- from the public seeking 
to go back to the private. I just get back a ways, and if I shoot one, the odds are he's going to go back to where he came from. Gotcha. So yeah. it, where he knows it's safe. Right. Gotcha. Or at least experience, recent yeah. experience yeah. told him, well, I, I didn't run into any trouble back there a quarter mile. I'm going back there. Yeah. So hmm. no, that, but, that's what creates, though, that sanctuary thing of these boundaries, even though they may be easy to get to. We think a sanctuary as distance, topography, terrible terrain, boundaries, just yeah. because of what you mentioned, often serve as a sanctuary that yeah. holds a lot of elk. Definitely in this case. Yeah. And it's kind of, if you, if you were to draw this tag and do some research, you'd probably figure out, like I did, that like, you know, this is the sanctuary area. There, there, there wasn't a lot of topography or distance in this unit because it was so eroded that like... Like I'm trying to think of what I would have done in that late season part, and it would be you would have to play that boundary game because that that's pretty much the only. Yeah, like, I mean, it's hard. No, I mean, not not having been there. Yeah, like true. who knows? There were yeah. some spots that I would definitely check out that were off the boundaries, but yeah. from what we'd heard in your research yeah. too, yeah. it sounded like they yeah. like to sit on that. Was the yeah. first day that you had for scouting was that valuable? Oh, absolutely, for sure. We yeah. found basically the area that. So we, you know, I had like A, B, and C. Yep. And my B area was like not good at all. Like we went there, mm. no sign. We kind of just drove through it midday. And uh, it was like way further away from where we were hunt, like hunting the whole time. Oh, yeah. And uh, so the I'll, I'll go back. The A area was not as, gr I mean, we found bulls that morning. For sure. Yeah. We found bulls that morning. So that was like huge stress relief like we have prospects um but like like i said in the videos like we want to find more bulls we want to find mm -hmm. like it's eight o'clock in the morning and we still have the whole day so um we left that area and then went to b area b area was not what i expected it to be um c area was was really good we we found and that's where we wound up hunting the whole time hmm. um and it really wasn't too far from like my first a spot we'll call it um yeah because we ended up essentially hiking back to there one day yeah yeah like you could just we could hike over a ridge essentially and be at a hmm. from c so um and again it's because we were hunting around this this sanctuary area um that boundary area so that night we we were kind of i was kind of like ah man we found them in the morning but you know like shoot we have only found these like and then we're driving and like we're looking for a camping spot at this point and like we want to find a, we, our goal is to find a camp spot that we could glass um you know that night and then potentially in the morning too um so we're driving and i think marcus had to go to the bathroom or something so we pull over i look and like i just we saw the biggest bull of the trip that <laughs> off the side of the road yeah, off the side of the road and uh so we got some footage of that guy and like, okay, so that's where my mind's at. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, he's like, and now yeah. he's also like so far away from any private. He's just like in the middle of all of the public land, yeah. which is just like, well, that's convenient. <laughs> yeah. And then, so we watch him for a while. We watch him feed off and he's like kind of winking his way towards us. Right. We need, we need to get out of here. Um, so we left and we passed the, the camp of, of uh, our fellow that we met that yeah. later that night. So we go, essentially we, we found our camping spot, high vantage point, really cool spot, honestly. And, 
you put up the spotter and like look across and see like right away fourteen bulls or something there like that. There was a bunch of bulls. Yeah, just yeah. bulls again. Yeah. No cows. <laughs> no, no cows. Wow. And so we 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 glass those the rest of the night. And that's when we noticed that oh, there's an ATV down there and there's a truck up there. So there's people watching these. Um, our ATV guy came up and we the guy from California that I mentioned before he. Um, you know, he'd seen all those bulls and he was planning on hunting down there. And it was large enough. We talked about it. We were like, we could both go, like two parties could definitely hunt down there. But I seen that big bull. I was like, well, we got to at least try it. He had, no, and this guy had no idea about it. And the thing was like his camp was probably thousand yards away from it. The big bull. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think that that might, cause the following day we never saw, I mean, the area that they were in, we we eventually worked our way to it, cow calling and doing some setups. But and and there was it, some sign in there, but it wasn't like yeah. it wasn't. We so never saw him again. Yeah. So from a mental approach, because we often say that the reason most people don't fill a tag is they don't consistently find elk on public land. From your standpoint, when you had that day of scouting and you guys found elk. Was that a big sigh of relief? Oh, of, yeah. Whew, for yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, like I said, like I was seriously having like the night before I couldn't sleep because I was so worried that like, cause we, we did when, the night, the night before the scouting night when we drove down, like we did get a, quite a bit of driving in and like didn't see anything. Yeah. And like that night I was like, I, I think, I, I think I was like, I think I heard a bugle, but I, I wasn't sure. And, <laughs> Well, also so, that first day too. That was that was one of the huge advantages of getting there and like marking off stuff on the map because we just kind of explored a lot of those roads we didn't know existed, but then those roads were all new mining or oil and gas roads, right. and so there was, we didn't see anything over there. No, like yeah. we drove all those roads and like yeah. there's no animals. Or we saw some mule deer. That was it. Huh. Oh, we saw a ton, a, or, ton of animals. Yeah, though. ton of animals. But great, no, great no animal view. No elk. <laughs> Like, it was crazy. And that, that's one of the problems with the real active level of oil and gas exploration going on in places like, say, Wyoming or elsewhere is Onyx gets their data sets from the BLM. And if the BLM isn't updating the road patterns, you aren't going to see them on Onyx yeah. because oh, yeah. that's where Onyx gets the information. And it's it can be frustrating to yeah. go and see, oh, there's a whole new grid of roads here. But the benefit of the scouting day, and I always tell people, I'll drop a day of hunting on the end to have a day of scouting at the beginning. Because in that day of scouting, I can take my map of A, B, and C spots or D, E, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And I can cross off a bunch of them. And then I know my my actual hunting days are not going to be wasted yes. in some yep. dead hole. Yep. Yep. And that's exactly like it was. It was awesome knowing that. Like, so by the end of that scouting day, we had two locations that we knew that w there's going to be elk in them. Yeah. So it was a huge stress relief. <laughs> you, was, sl yeah. you slept better. Than yes. So did it, did, as far as the elk behaviors, was it kind of classic or was there things you observed or well, noticed that was different than I think expected? Marcus can probably speak better to that because, you know, I, I've, I've hunted elk for three years now. Like I, the, and I mean, I want to say that, yes, that it was kind of classic. They were 
in bachelor groups, the non-classic part was there's no cows. But you talk about I've never seen that many bulls by themselves. I've just never experienced, like, I mean, short of some of the hunts I was on with you post-season, post-rut. Post-rut, yeah. That stuff, there's some big groups of bulls we saw. But, I mean, yeah, this was, I don't know, September 1st. I'm used to them being with the cows or at least close. Yeah. And then uh, I'm trying to remember, we didn't have much luck cow calling, really. Well, I mean, I mean we kinda. did eventually, but <laughs> I mean, but in terms well, that of first like, night, oh yeah, I guess you bugled that one. I bugled yeah. that one, and yeah, I missed one opening night and uh, <laughs> shot right over his back, like a foot over his back at thirty yards. I don't know how you do that, but I did it. And uh, <laughs> you get excited? Oh yeah, I, I was super excited. <laughs> so I'll just tell the story real quick. So. Uh, and you can watch it on our YouTube channel too if you want to see the actual video. But so we again, like through the scouting, we in that first night found those bulls. Didn't find the, the big bull in the morning. So in the afternoon, we go back to camp. We scout, or no, we're not scouting. We're glassing from camp. We find these bulls bedded. Make our way over there. Set up cow call. Nothing happens. So I guess you're right. The cow calling really wasn't that great. Uh, which it sounds like in the past. I mean, they usually get the little bulls, and they're just curious. Yeah. They haven't got their butt kicked yet this yeah. year. You know, they just early season. It seems like the raghorns like to come in, and that's fun. But. Yeah. And so this is opening night too. Um, uh, we, you know, we set up. We do that. We probably hung out there for an hour, like in the, in the zone. We marked it on on X. We got like a hundred yards. We inched closer than we were probably sixty yards, and. You know, Cal calling, trying to get them to come over. Never did. We get, we start making our way over there, kind of still hunting, looking around. I bump some elk out, and then it, I don't know. You saw one. You saw. The yeah, one. I don't know how many were in there. There was definitely several bulls in there because, yeah, the one seemed spooked, and I bugled. I can't remember when I started bugling versus Cal calling, but yeah. I think once they spooked, I might have bugled, and then. All of a sudden, there was two more there, yeah. and I think they were two different bulls that hadn't seen us yet. I'm mm-hmm. not positive, but yeah, yeah. And then there was actually at least I remember seeing two branch antlers and a spike, and so yeah, I'm not yeah, sure yeah. what was going on. But they were it was just yeah. so thick that you couldn't really you catch glimpses of them, and then they, but they're not far away. No, I mean they're they're within a hundred yards for sure, for sure. Yeah. And then he started bugling at them, and every the first bugle he like picks his head up. And it's like a nice six point, or six point, not like a huge bull, but you know something I'm for sure shooting. Yeah. And uh, so he picks his head up and he starts making his way closer. And he's like, I know if he's walking to my like coming in front of me, walking left, like he's 50, 60 yards away. And I've said before the trip, I'm not shooting anything past 30. Um, so I'm starting to make my way up, and then. You know, we're sitting there watching him, and he starts raking, and and he's raking some trees, and you know, just being real ruddy, like just being a cool elk, doing yeah. elk things, and it was so cool. That was that was really sweet. But anyways, so and Marcus bugles at him one more time, and then that time he's like, "Okay, I'm coming," and I had range of the tree, 32 yards. And I was like, okay, once he steps right behind that tree, I'm going to cow call to stop him. 
And so he starts doing it. And I think this happens like this happens to me. Whitetail hunting too is like when they read the script so perfect, I just get so excited. <laughs> it's like They're li- like it's doing exactly what I'm thinking. So it's not like I have to improvise or anything, but I just got so excited. And like, so he's come behind the tree. Like I knew I was going to draw when he was behind the tree drew. And, uh, I knew exactly the distance and, uh, go eh, to stop him but like literally as i'm doing it i just rip it off and just i see my arrow go like like at least like six inches over his back and then like deflect <laughs> off a tree and just go into space it was so it's so embarrassing it's like <sighs> you work so hard all summer and mm-hmm. like we talked about in the video it's just when they're there and like he bugled to, like he he did like bugled a close yeah and like uh, my heart was pounding yeah, yeah. and it, I don't know. There's really no excuse. Like some people comment on the videos, like, how do you miss that? It's like, I don't know. Probably if you do it long enough, I'm sure someday it might happen. But well, like, <laughs> it's a situation I've done it too. And yeah. it's just like, you cannot miss a target at like 30 yards, at 60 yards. Yeah. Like I've shot with you plenty. Like you're not going to miss a target out to a hundred yards yeah. essentially every single time. Yeah. But when you shoot at it, live <laughs> animal, <laughs> bull elk that's screaming in your face everything goes out the window (laughs) and all of a sudden you like are just like incapable of making a shot like so (laughs) i've been there way too many times yeah Uh, but that was a heck of an opening day yeah i don't even know how we started talking about that but (laughs) no i did how did you feel after you missed uh deflated or okay so uh i was definitely very upset like i wanted to like like, I was telling you guys, oh, opening day, like, we'll get it done. So, like, I kind of really wanted to kill on opening day. <laughs> and then, so, I felt, you know, pretty low. Um, but I was really excited. Like, I was happy. I wouldn't, I shouldn't say excited. I was happy that it was a clean miss. Like, yeah. I was really happy that I wasn't going to have to, you know, spend the rest of the time, you know, dealing with a sticky situation. Um, so... Yeah, I'd say I was definitely down. Like that rest of the night, we go out and we find a huge group of he- like really nice elk. They're oh, yeah. playing that boundary, and Marcus, I look over there, he's like so jacked filming these elk, and I'm just like over here, just like ah, like just beating myself up, just so <laughs> mad, and like because you never know. I mean. That could be your one shot of the trip. Right. Like it was a mm-hmm. good opening day. These elk might be a little bit more educated now. You never know. But I kind of like. I was like, all right, if if I need, I need to shake this off one and two. If we if we get into if we got them to them today, we'll hopefully be able to get into them again. So and uh, we saw so many bulls that like that night when we saw them, you know, close to that boundary. Some of them were on public. And like, yeah. so a- after I shot, we, we continued to hunt. We probably had an hour left to light and we just kind of worked because we were going back to see where we, f- we found the bulls on the scouting day in the morning. We were going back to check that area. And then, um, as we were doing that, you looked down and you're like, holy crap. <laughs> there's like 30 <laughs> yeah, bulls. There's like 30 bulls. It's some really, really big ones. And they're, oh, oh, it was just so, it's really cool footage. Like they're out there, you know, sparring and raking at the water, raking trees, bugling. Yeah. And they, and they were like, so I think that they probably that night left and maybe made their way up into some public stuff because yeah, when well, we, we saw we saw a couple bull, a couple bulls were on public but it was again you know they're like 50 yards from the boundary yeah and then we were walking out and because i had been i had been 
bugling at them and yeah. trying to fire them up and see if anything would bite. But they were t- they're just too far away. We weren't yeah. riling them up enough, and there's they're all bugling too. So, but I don't I don't know if that one was coming into my calls or not. But there was one when we walked out that was had, yeah had, he was close to us yeah on public we, he was yeah. like forty yards away. We couldn't see because he was yeah. just like right. We were kind of on like a little benchy area, and then like right below us when we were walking out, just, just running away. <laughs> <laughs> and then I mean, we the plan was from that night, you know, like. So we saw these elk were coming back here in the morning. And that was that morning that uh, we saw, like, we, we got there, saw elk, and we tried it. Like, I was like, if, it, if they come close, yeah. But that was, like, kind of the morning that I was like, yeah, I don't want to. And, and the night before when I missed that one, he turned around and ran straight back to the, to the private. Perfect. So yeah. it kind of, like, confirmed my... <laughs> your word like, my word so and again like this is just the way that i my approach to it. i'm not saying that like i think that you definitely could have been successful we probably could have probably we probably could have killed one of those two that we found that morning but i like we tried to get him to come to us because we were you know fit, like pretty far off the boundary they didn't come and then we found those other bulls chased them and that was the night where it was like all right we're going to go find cows. We're, and then, so we went to yeah. spot like D like, this is a spot that like, <laughs> like we, we were kind of joking, like the whole trip, like, should we go over here or whatever? And then like, we go like, and this night was more or less, uh, scouting, I guess. I was like, mm-hmm. let's just go find if we, I'll bring the bow of course, but like, right. let's go to get on a high spot and find some cows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we go to a spot that we had already looked at and it looked like you can see for miles up here and didn't see anything. And then one of us, I don't remember, it might've been you. Let's go check that spot out. We went and found a bull that night up on top and then swooped around a little bit and there's a herd of cows down there. And we're like, all right. <laughs> yeah. With bulls. Yeah. I mean, with there bulls. was like big bulls, satellite mm-hmm. bull. I mean, the whole works like yeah. bugling pushing cows so. was it um private no no they're oh, on public. public yeah um, and so open sagebrush area i mean there's timber there but yeah. yeah that was also you know part of the the thought behind it too is like let's find either cows or some places where there's bulls that are on private or on public like yeah big huge uh you know more more uh public than there is private and so we, we did that and we you know we found them it was awesome yep. And then that was, you know, basically the play for the next morning where we did, you know. The next morning, day three then of hunting. Yeah. 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 And that was, you know, we kind of figured that we saw where that that one bull was that night. And we kind of, it was the same drainage that we wound up hunting that next morning. Yeah. Like that. Is this like, there's like like a biggest timber drainage above this big sage flat. Yeah. And they had been out feeding in the sage flat and like. They're going to go bed in the timber. Yeah. And so when we got up that morning, we we get in there and, you know, like we, we're, we're on top here on like a plateau and you can look down and we, you know, right away we see the, we see the herd. They didn't really move that much. No. Nope. And um, so we were like, okay, that draw, you said that draw. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> sounds, sounds good. <laughs> Martin says, yeah. sounds good to me. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> and, uh, uh-oh. Something just happened on the audio. Alright. Uh, sorry. I kicked the recorder here. I think we both oh, did. Alright. Anyway, so 
you know, we we get down in there and and there's sign all over the place. Now it's like, okay, we really know this is where they are because there's, I mean, I it smells elky. There's beds poop, everywhere. Yeah, 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 droppings, and it's like one of the most elkiest spots I've ever seen. And <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're down there and they're starting to make their way. And the wind is like we're getting that morning thermal. It's coming down. Maybe you should have thought about that a little bit more. Maybe not. Hindsight's well, twenty twenty. I mean, yeah, we, I thought about it, but I'm. It's like we need to be. Yeah, we need to be down in there. And I want to say I can't remember, but I want to say like we had a prevailing wind that was in our favor. Yeah, it but was of course, one, of course, sure. when we get down in there, and we're like on the bottom third of this hill at this point, like where we're setting up, and it's swirling. There's you know the the herd's coming in. And we see a bull, like pretty nice bull, there, yeah. and with a cow and maybe even a calf, I, I want to say. And they're coming in, like to the cow calls, and he wins us, like right away. The wind is like starting to switch and going that way, and it's like he wins us. He he starts to walk away, and then, um, you know, so now we're like, oh crap, like we're like in it, we're in it so far that we can't turn around and go, yeah. And the wind's really starting to screw us. Well, and that, yeah, one thing I found, too, sometimes when you're – because it was a giant herd. I don't know how many elk were there, but there's a ton of them. There's a lot of bulls, a lot of cows. And sometimes if you spook you spook a portion of the herd, you don't spook the whole herd. Yeah. Because they they're spread out enough. They don't know what's going on. And that's when you just rush in and make something happen. Yeah. But, so, so we're we're sitting there, and I'm at least thinking like we're screwed. Like, <laughs> like not only did like that's fine that they spooked and like they they I mean they smelt us, but they didn't see us. Um, but you know, like not only did we just spook those, but now we're gonna ruin this whole herd of elk, and they're gonna go like there was some pri- uh, private like up and a little bit of ways that they could be on, but it was a little tiny thing. But anyways, um. And then, you know, by the grace of God, the wind switches and like <laughs> now it's in our face. And, you know, that's pretty much it. The we saw a bull. He Marcus started cow calling. This little calf It's like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. Just cow yeah. calling. <laughs> yeah. This little calf comes running in and like like just I love when they come running in like that so cute but anyways uh like looks up and like ah you're not my mom or dad or whatever and i guess it'd be your mom and uh, uh she looks but like again like we're we're standing still we have stuff breaking up our outline in the back there's winds in our face so she can't smell us and or then like yeah or, yeah yeah we're good we're good i mean we are in the like it's not like i had front cover or anything it was kind of weird like if you could see like i was just kind of out in the open but she was, anyway. And she was probably what fifteen yards away. Yeah. yeah, and so like I don't. Do you think she like knew that we were people, or do you think that she, she was, knew something wasn't right? Probably, yeah. but you know, yeah, inexperienced and didn't. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't sure what to make of this little I'm cat. Not sure so. what that is. <laughs> <laughs> and so, anyways, this bull was following her, and uh, yeah, he just he stopped and he kind of did the same thing, and he's you know looking looking at us, and then. His his one mistake that he did make was he turned around and and faced the herd like he heard something coming up behind, gave me time to draw and he's twenty five yards away. I didn't I don't even think I ranged it because he was so close and just you know put it behind the shoulder and 
it was this time I was like, okay, just like focus. You can do this. <laughs> like, <laughs> and put it behind the shoulder and that was it. But huh. it was, yeah, it's, that's a really cool, that's a really awesome feeling when you, you know you hit one good. And yeah, we packed, I mean, he, he ran a little bit. We packed him off the mountain and got some Dairy Queen. It was, <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> Got some dairy queen. Yeah. Uh, but, well. Oh, and also, like, again, that spot, like, it was low on the list, but it, once we were, you know, carving on them and everything, I look at the pins, and it, it wasn't, like, it was within 200 yards of where I dropped the pin from from scouting, which is... From I mean, e-scouting. From e-scouting. Yeah. And, like, th- it was interesting, because, like I said earlier, like, there were spots that... We found elk, and they and like I guess to uh, lay some groundwork to this. Like I'm no expert at finding elk, um, especially by you know just doing a little bit of research and figuring out like like your five seasons of elk and all that. You know that was super helpful. And like if I can do it, literally anybody can do it. So <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. Is but uh, yeah, there were there are definitely spots that we found. Or I found it with you and. Um, that, you know, proved to be fruitful. And it was, I mean, I, I was kind of skeptical about it at first. Like, I know you, you live by it, but like, I've always found elk by going out and just like looking for them. Yeah. And then after doing this, I'm definitely a believer in it now. Like I'll definitely be spending a lot more time next year for my Montana hunts, uh, you know, looking for areas with the best feed for that part of the year. And, um, doing more of that stuff so because there's a lot more terrain where they ain't yeah than where they are <laughs> yeah and i mean that was true too for the sun like there are areas like i said spot b if you looked at it on a map it looks really good yeah timber good feed um but they just weren't there yeah so well there's a a thread out on our hunt talk forum right now where a couple guys are coming out to colorado for their first elk hunt and the one guy says, well, I'm just going to still hunt and walk the dark timber. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, you might bump into one, but there's an awful lot of dark timber out there in the yeah. last that don't <laughs> hold elk. Yeah. In fact, the lowest densities of elk will be in the dark timber. And I want to so much say, you know what? Have a plan. Yeah. Don't just count on the randomness of I'm going to, I'm going to bump into one. Maybe you will. And, and I hope he does. Yeah. And I hope he has a great experience. But uh, the point being is there is, if you look at your map of any unit, there's way, way more, about a 95% to 5% of your map, 95% holds no elk. Yeah. How do you find the other 5% that True. hold elk? And fortunately, as you guys were seeing in this early season and transitioning to pre-rut the bulls are moving a lot looking for cows and getting ready to reposition and stage so in that type of a hunt you moving a lot and being mobile is probably going to let you encounter some elk yeah but imagine if all that country you guys were hunting was all timbered yeah yeah now it'd be there's a a lot lot of ground <laughs> with no elk. Yeah, you guys yeah. had the benefit of it being broken, slightly yes. open, yeah. a lot of roads that you could cover ground on. 
Imagine if all that was just timbers and timbered and nothing but trails. Yeah. How many of those elk would you have seen or encountered? We would have had to hear them. <laughs> had to what? Hear them. That's <laughs> yeah, the one benefit right. you got going in the rut. But right. And so, well, cool. Yeah. I'm happy for you, Michael. Thanks. When I got the yeah. picture, I'm like, yeah. It was a good time. Cool. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it was sweet. And it was a little bit, you know, it was a little special with it being a like, uh, draw unit or a special permit or whatever you want to call it. But, um, you know, it was it was really cool to go out and see a bunch of elk. And, yeah, um, yeah I, it was awesome. It was yeah. something I surely will never forget. <laughs> so I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about how you got the tag. I mean, we, we mentioned it earlier, but this unit popped up in my research on Go Hunt. And I started asking around and to start doing some of my things to analyze, is this a, an overlooked unit relative to how many points it's taking? And I'm not going to tell the audience what tool I use. It, it's out there on Go Hunt, but uh, how we arrived at this unit. And yeah, it takes some luck. But yeah, but I mean, if you think about all three of us applying for a unit that has five to eight percent draw odds, that gets us to a fifteen to twenty-five percent chance that at least one of yeah. us could draw. Yeah, which you know, next year we might try the same thing, and we might end up with goose eggs. But yeah. the the point is, is with Go Hunt, everything is there at your fingertips if you know how to use it you're going to be able to slice and dice this and come yeah. up with a strategy that increases your chances a little bit. Mm -hmm. And over the course of a season of applying for multiple tags, if you can increase your odds 2 to 5% on each tag you're applying for, yeah, it makes a difference. Absolutely. Um, and right now, I don't know when this podcast is going to drop, but until October 31st, if you go to Go Hunt, you can get a 30-day free trial on their Insider. Uh gohunt.com forward slash randy and you get the whole thing for the, 30 days not to mention free. all the draws and all that good stuff but they have some really cool articles on there that yeah. i just yeah. enjoy reading their strategy good articles. gear shop good dudes that work there yeah so so from that marcus you came home and you and your wife kara jumped in the rig and did you even get to wash your clothes uh <laughs> I think I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, because yeah, because we got back a day early. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But yeah, so I did wash my clothes. That was nice. <laughs> and then Montana opener this year was September seventh, which is right. the latest it'll ever open because it always opens the first Saturday in September. So this yeah. is a late opener for Montana. Yeah, where I went, things were in full swing already. Were they? Yeah. So, but no, it was fun. It's kind of a, a opposite scenario of hadn't scouted it i mean i didn't need to scout it because i'd been there before and i generally know where the, what they'll do and where they go so yeah. i had that benefit right. and it's a general area in montana but the kicker this year was people <laughs> the first day we were there there were, i think we saw eight or nine people Ooh. day before season wow friday night like at the trailhead all, or yeah all glass in the same herd of elk. So they're, oh. they're, they're thinking, well, this Marcus Hockett guy, he hunts here. We saw his rig here last year. They're following you, Marcus. I don't know if I'm, oh, yeah, I probably won't be going back there. No, <laughs> no. no but uh, so we saw all those people. So I was like a little discouraging, but there's mm -hmm. a lot of elk in there. So yeah, we just went, went in and just kind of let everyone else 
do their thing first is kind of what our strategy was. Mm-hmm. So we're like, yeah, there's that big herd. I'm not going to go mess with them. We'll see where they end up yeah. like after. Cause and then sure enough, like mid morning, somebody gets into them and they definitely didn't shoot the big bull. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, not that it was that big of a bull anyway, but yeah, yeah, pushed them around. And, um, there was this, there was a little, there was five points and raghorns running all over the place. And, it's just fun in yeah. there. And so we just kind of, I'm trying to even think of all the encounters that we had. So before, they're, they're bugling and. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Full on yeah. bugle fest. And, uh, That's sweet. Um, tried to call in some, some five points and I can't remember. They might have winded us. But anyway, it was like midday, just kind of sitting around. And we saw a couple raghorns and, uh, We'd cow call to them. They're like 500, 600 yards away, and they'd, they'd look over there. And they'd, and they'd like, yeah, I don't know. They'd keep walking. <laughs> cow call some more. They'd look over. And then eventually they ended up in the trees. And I'm like, okay, well. So we're just kind of hanging out, and I'd cow call every now and then. And it was like, I don't know, 1230, like midday. And all of a sudden it's like crash, crash, crash. And I hadn't cow called for probably a half hour or something, but there's this, this crashing in the timber right below us. And we're sitting right on the edge of the timber. And, uh, sure enough the and like Kara was thinking faster than I was. Kara yeah. just like goes full draw and she'd already arranged everything. She's at full draw. And I'm just like still trying to figure out what's going on. Like I'm getting like my cow call out and like range finder. And then all of a sudden they're just two bulls stand, the two raghorns are standing on their 40 yards. And care to huh. shoots. Like, I didn't have a camera out. <laughs> I didn't have <laughs> <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> it happened so fast. Like, first day, so fast. And then, so she shoots. It wasn't a perfect hit. And so it runs out, and it's, like, standing out there. And she's like, how far is it? And I'm, like, fumbling. Like, dro- I had the camera out at that point. So I dropped the camera, grabbed the range finder, ranged it. And it was, like, 100. And, or she did shot before I ranged the first one. It's, like, 110 yards or something. Wow. But she hit it. Whoa. But it wasn't the first shot killed it. Yeah. But yeah, I was like kind of surprised. I was like, dang. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so she, uh, uh, that bull run, they both bulls run over the hill. And so we, we just went up to the crest of the hill and watched because there's just a small patch. Or it's mm-hmm. a pretty big patch timber, but you can see all around it. Yeah. Run into the timber and we sit there for a little bit and then one bull comes running out. Like, well, that's a good sign. Yeah. And so Kara's like, well, I'm going to go back and, get at the beginning of the blood trail and I'll follow the blood trail. And I and I was like, okay, I'll just sit and watch the timber, make sure nothing comes out. And so no sooner than she leaves to go back to follow the blood trail, I just hear crash, crash in the timber. And then it's uh-huh. like a groan. I'm like, it's a good sign. <laughs> 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 so yeah, we followed the blood trail. It was great blood trail right to the bowl. And that yeah, yeah. was awesome. Huh. First day. That's the fourth year in a row that, uh, that she's tagged out the first week. Wow. The, with a bow. With a bow. On a bull elk on public land. Yeah. Well, wow. the three three bulls in a row, the first one four years ago was a cow. Oh, okay. Either way. Yeah. But Impressive. She sh- yeah. And then I guess, yeah, the th- three of the four days have, were on the first day, too. Wow. <laughs> Which is crazy. I feel like such a downstreamer compared <laughs> to you guys. I didn't drag my story out very long, but no. We, but, we did continue to hunt for another... Uh, uh, six days for me. Yeah. We went home after a couple of days, cut up her elk. Yeah. And I had some close calls. Yeah. It's on YouTube. Yeah. You it's right yeah. now. It's, it's playing on YouTube. Um, but yeah, no, it was fun. That's, uh, uh, but that time, of year, so that was the week before the full moon. 
Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and it was full on rut fest, huh? I mean, yeah, it wasn't. I'm trying to. Th- I mean, there was definitely the biggest bulls we saw were with the cows. Mm-hmm. Whereas previous years, hunting in the same spot or like, nearby, it was. Uh, yeah, the big bulls were not with the cows yet. Mm-hmm. They'd kind of be by themselves, and I can never get them to come in yeah. that first week. But the little bulls, they like to come in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the weather like? I can't uh, remember. I it rained. The uh, first opening day was good. The second day it rained. Hmm. And then, uh, like, good as in like seventy degrees, sunny. No, or like, it was cold. It was colder, but it cool. wasn't like. Uh, yeah, there was no precipitation, but. Hmm. Yeah. Do you think that I, cow- I guess? I do you think that cow calling is like your strategy? Like this is like, or do a lot of people do that? Like that you've hunted with? Like growing up in Montana, you you've hunted elk your whole life. Yeah, but I didn't. Like, did somebody teach you? Like, listen, you get close to them and then you start cow calling. No, because I feel like there's people who, you know, say like you get close to them, bugle at them, or like. So it it definitely changes, and like I used to. I never cow call, I hardly cow called at all until probably four years ago. I would just bugle. Gotcha. I would just get close and bugle at him. And that was my only method of calling. Did it work? Yeah. I killed the two biggest bulls I've ever killed doing that. Gotcha. <laughs> and ever since I started the cow calling thing, I started killing a lot of smaller bulls. <laughs> but it's just too fun. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Have you is that like. I, for me, it's just to play it by ear, and if I just I do a little of both, but sometimes if I think that they're far off, I'll do a locating bugle, which I try to make more of a uh, sound like a smaller bowl. And I was I was talking to Corey Jacobson two days ago about that. I said, you know, Corey, I. I've been doing this kind of locating, sound like a squeakier bull, and I have less luck than when I just sound like I'm really pissed off and I'm here to hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. Corey's like, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't even bother with those yeah. little sound like a squeaky bull. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to drop that from my repertoire. Huh. Okay. But cow calling. Well, no, uh, I, and that's I, the thing I, is it, it's totally dependent on situation yeah. now. Like if I have, if there's an opportunity to bugle a bull in, I'm going to go for that opportunity every yeah. time. Yeah. Like that's more, I mean, that's more fun. Yeah. And chances are you're going to get a bigger bull to come in. Yeah. Gotcha. But I've found that by adding a bunch of cow calls early season, the satellite bulls and the ray horns and five points and stuff like super susceptible gotcha i i would say the same thing i'd probably do if i can glass them or i see and know that it's a younger bull i'm probably gonna cow call yeah um that is one of the benefits of a lot of the places i hunt is like i know what i'm getting into because i like yeah we don't i hardly i won't even go in an area almost unless i see what i'm going after first and then no because then if it yeah it's like a big herd with a herd bull then I'm going to get close and, and bugle at him. I'm going to yeah. be super quiet until I get close. And then. And also, it depends on how much pressure they they get. If it's a general unit, I'm probably going to push the issue pretty hard. Um, I've had tags and some real premium units in places that just don't get a lot of hunting pressure in other states. And that's way easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, there's a world of difference between the elk uh, 
that you have on these highly pressured general units on public land versus lim- like yours was a limited entry yeah. unit. There's but, only going to be so many hunters there. Yeah. That was one thing though that I found really interesting though. Like, mm-hmm. whereas like the couple of days we got up and on those, like there was like two five points by themselves to say on the middle of nowhere. I'm like, Oh, this is easy. We're going to call these in. Perfect. Like get behind the ridge. We had the wind right. Like they had to come into view to see us and like Cal called and they did not care. Huh. They just didn't care at all. On my hunt or on cares? Yeah, okay. But, but, well, both. But yeah. yeah, on yours, like, those five yeah, yeah, points, like, yeah. they didn't care at all. Yeah. Hmm. And maybe it was just a little early. And they hadn't, you know, smelled any hot cows yet that year, and they just didn't care. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm guessing. But, like, for being a limited entry unit, I'm like, oh, these things are going to be dumb. Yeah. It's going to be well, easy. It, uh, but they didn't They didn't care. That was interesting, too, on Scott's hunt, uh, Scott Jones. We, in we Nevada. Were, yeah, in Nevada. Very, like, only five tags yeah. in this unit. And this is like premier, premier. Like, they just, unless you got in their zone, like really, really close, there was one day where we were, you know, we could bugle from a distance and, and they would bugle back. But like some of the, the opportunities that we had were because we were very, very close to these bulls that we, we had glass, got in and on them, and then either cow called or bugled. Um, but it was, it was interesting cause it was, you know, we went down there the last week of the season and it's last hard- week, which in Nevada, uh, yeah. it, in Scott's unit, it closed September 20th. Yeah. So you were there the 15th like, through the yeah, primo and, days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like, that's what I was thinking. Like, oh, we're going to get out there. We're going to hear him bugle. They're going to be screaming. And it just, it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> that, it wasn't that at all. It was really weird. Um, but yeah, it was it's just so dependent on. Yeah, and so did you guys hear in Montana on your hunt with the Gerber guys? It was tough. Tough? I, I was there to disprove the full moon theory, and I don't know that I did a very good job <laughs> of disproving it because I'd went in in July and scouted and saw tons of cows in this burn, and I'm thinking to myself, mm-hmm, is yeah. it? And then we start walking in. We got seven miles don't see anyone else. I'm thinking, oh, great. Yeah. Get there and find out that the landowner who for the last 15 years has closed things off down below, he's now entered a deal with the Forest Service and there are hunters coming in from the bottom Oof. of the burn. And so first night was the night before the peak, you know, the full, full moon. I heard a couple bugles, but nothing to get excited the next two days were dead really? as in couldn't we ended up seeing elk but they were spotting stock encounters they're just bedded yeah, on, the, gotcha. on the edge of the burn and i'm thinking to myself why did we decide to come now it's clear it's full moon it's well and, you you say the moon doesn't matter you always talk i know about how I, and i'm convinced it's still i'm still convinced <laughs> it doesn't matter because what had happened is we went and hunted lower where I'd seen all the cows. And I think, because the season had been open a week, and was the, we knew there were at least six other hunters down at the bottom, camped at the bottom below the burn. Insane. And they only had to walk a half mile to get to this area. Gotcha. And we're coming in from way back. And so one thing I did quickly realize is that we could glass all the entire burn and it's a big burn and we were not seeing a single elk really just well some and all the elk we were seeing were on the upper edge of the burn 
So in my mind, I'm thinking, hmm, all this hunting pressure, even though the prime food source is down there in the burn, these elk have said, no, I'm, I'm moving. And so we started moving up just 1,000, 1,500 vertical feet into these little pockets of timber. Mm-hmm. And we started running into elk. And but the hard part in those tight little pockets up there, though, is you're so dependent upon what the wind situation yeah. is. You you <laughs> you go in there and like you guys were saying in Wyoming, you start getting in there because you got a good wind and you get within 200 yards and now you got a crappy wind. And one morning we're walking the trail because I told the guys, look, we're going to go up and higher or we're going to have to pull and go somewhere else around, you know, some completely different yeah. area. Pull the llamas, pull camp, everything. Well, we're walking this trail, and it's starting to almost be rain and mist. And I do some really loud cow calls, and we hear. <laughs> just I'm thinking. All right, I know there's not another hunter up there because we've just gained this elevation. There, we'd see boot tracks in the mud or something. That that was definitely a bull. So I do a few more loud cow calls, and as if he's saying, I'm here, but don't bother me, dude. So we climb up the ridge where we can really... So I'm calling from this trail, and there's a ridge just a couple hundred yards out there, and we're thinking he's way down in that ugly, nasty bottom out there. We get up to that ridge, and I tell Carson from Gerber, he loves to bugle. He yeah. just, <laughs> I he saw re- that. Yeah, he just, <laughs> I said, Carson, rip one off here. And he did, and the bull responded. And, and he actually responded with a little more vigor than he did to the cow calls. Mm. So, I, but I still am in my head thinking he's bedded. Yeah. He's bedded, and we are glassing, trying to get a glimpse of him or some cows or something. We can't, nothing. So, uh, now that Carson's getting a response, he's really excited about calling. So, I have him call a few more times, and he gets a couple more responses. And we're all, at that point, trying, all right, he's right there. And you get out your onyx, okay, that's 900 yards, and okay, here's what the terrain features are. I think the wind's going to do this. So, we get down, we drop off this ridge, and it is ugly, nasty blowdown, and we get to the bottom of this basin and there's wallows and rubs everywhere. We're like, all right, he's here. He's been here. And you looked at the wallow, there's fresh tearing up with a little bit of drizzle. Even in the wallow, his tracks were pretty sharp. So I'm thinking he had been there that night or that morning. And we've got a downhill thermal and he's up wind of us. And I told the guys, we got about an hour to get up there and get close and make him mad. So we start doing that, and we didn't have an hour. We had about 15 minutes. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the wind's swirling and changing, and I'm thinking, all right, here's my only hope then. I got to get Andrew, the shooter, and Dale, the camera guy, over on that side of this little creek. Carson and I will be over here. He's going he's gonna to come downwind to try smell us. You think you could get that guy out of his bed? No. A couple more times, he's just like, and that was it. Yeah. And now the wind is so bad, I wave Andrew over, 
I'm thinking, you know, we found a bull. Yeah. Let's, do we want to stay here and screw it up? Yeah. Or do we want to yeah, just sit exactly. on him? Let's go up this slope and sit there and see if he gets up. So we'll try to glass, see if we can see some cows or whatever. But right now we're screwed with this wind. Mm-hmm. And so we did that for a few hours and he never said a peep, never said anything. Mm-hmm. Now we've got a steady thermal coming up the drainage. So I told the guys, all right, we're going to kind of cross here and have a side wind. Well, we start getting out there and with all these little folds and rolls and different shade and stuff, the wind in the head of that basin is just a complete swirl. I'm thinking this is not good. We're, if anything, we're just going to spook him off. I think he smelled us because he never said anything. And we, we spent the whole day in there trying to get another response <laughs> and mm. nothing. So we leave head out in the dark, come back the next morning. And uh, now Carson's pretty excited. He lets out a bugle and instantly we get a pretty strong bugle. Same exact spot. (laughs) Climb up the ridge again. Carson gives another bugle and now the guy is, he's a little more fired up. And I pull up my binos. I'm like, well, there's a cow there. Oh, there's a cow down here. And we're glassing these groups of cows and I'm thinking, where's the bull? And Andrew, I'd been giving him grief about having these 12-power binoculars with him. He starts scanning. He's like, oh, the bull's bedded in those trees right there. (laughs) Huh? And I look, and sure enough, you can see this antler moving, and you'd see it cock back, and you'd hear a bugle. And so, anyhow, now we knew what we were dealing with. It was a... It was a decent six point and he had for sure three cows and they dropped down into this timber, same exact spot he was the day before. And now he walks over there and he disappears and you just hear, hmm. <laughs> Every 15 minutes, maybe a hmm. So we scale, I told the guys, we're going to the top of this ridge. We're going to scale another thousand feet of vertical because if we can come down one of those avalanche chutes, I know we're going to have a good wind. Mm -hmm. And so we did that. It took a long time and a huge detour. And I'm sure those guys are thinking, I just am looking for grouse because I (laughs) shot a few grouse earlier. And they probably (laughs) thought, no, he looked at this and he thinks this is the grouse back. So that's why we got to go this route. Get down there. And there's this little bench in the basin. It is so thick and nasty with just this dog hair fur and blow down. We get one response from him, and again, it's just a, uh, <laughs> dude, come, come on, on give it, get up, you know, we're, we're challenging you here. And so he wouldn't come, and we got as close as we dared with the wind, and he wouldn't come. So finally, Andrew and Dale start sneaking there, and I told Carson, let's cow call, occasionally bugle. All our goal was was to keep him once in a while giving a reply right? so that but the guys could, yeah, so they could get closer. We got one reply in two hours of bugling, but it was enough that Dale, camera guy, got a heading on where he is. Nice. And they went right for it. And then they got there where Dale thought he was, and Andrew's looking, Dale's looking, and it, I mean, if you've been in that stuff, you know how thick it is. And... Uh, all of a sudden, from the the story as it's been relayed and trying to see it in the footage, but in that thick footage, you really can't see much. Dale said he saw an antler moving, 
and they were, Dale said, 20, 25 yards away. Jeez. And there's this little opening way out there in front, and Dale's like, right there. And Andrew sees it, and all of a sudden, some cows get up and start walking away, and the bull stands up from the way it's been relayed to me. And Andrew's trying to, if you think about, okay, you've got an opening out there at 15 yards and the bull's another 10 yards past that, trying to take an opening that's a foot wide and the arc of your arrow, it just, Andrew wasn't going to get a, it's one of those impossible setups. But now when the cows are on their feet, (laughs) <laughs> things aren't going to stay static for long. And right. so he starts following the cows and they go across this scree slope and, and they're not really running. They're just walking and uh, ends up with uh, uh, no encounter, but some footage of the bull kind of yeah. looking back and Andrew just got fired up. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh yeah, my that. goodness, <laughs> look at that thing. And, uh, it was a nice six point, but... Uh, we knew we'd kind of blown that, uh, or just I don't think that we really blew it. We we handled it as good as you could, and sometimes it just, you know, this isn't going to work out. Yeah. Uh, but what it confirmed is the elk were high, right? So we every time we'd went higher from that burn, that's where the elk were, and that helped because we went back to camp, and Dale and I had some things we had to film, and. I told Andrew and uh, Carson, why don't you guys just go do what you want to do this afternoon? If you kill one, we won't have a camera, but we'll we'll do the post-op. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so they went down towards the burn again, and they saw two spikes, and they tried to put a stock on them, but it didn't work out. But they did hear a bugle way up high. And so they came back, and they told me about that bugle. I'm like, well, let's go kill that thing tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so we go down there in the dark, right at daylight, I bugle, and this guy, like, he's serious. He, he's like, Finally, we found one that is excited. And we glass up there, and we can see him pushing this group of cows, this classic, out of the burn, heading up this really nasty slope to a bench of timber. And I just said, hey, guys, we got to go and we got to go fast because we still have the downhill thermal. I'd marked this tree. They'd stopped and the cows were now feeding. And I'm thinking, all right, now off to the right, there's this great big lone spruce tree. We got to get to that elevation and we can call them and we're going to get them to come right across that bench. And uh, on the way there, we'd been joking uh, about you know, calling techniques and how loud and how vocal and how much energy. And I told the guys, I said, all right, when we get there, I'm going to give it the ladies hold my beer kind of effort. That That's like the, <laughs> this is it. I am going to be so wound up that this bull is going to look at his cows and say, ladies, hold my beer. I got to go take care of this guy. I'll be right back. And uh, when you get, get to that level of... Uh, I, I just saw Andrew and Carson look at me like, holy cow, this is a serious hold my beer call sequence here. <laughs> uh, so we get up to that. It's a nasty scale to get up that slope. It's really steep. And we got to gain about 800 feet of vertical. And we get there and it's classic. 
beautiful, you know, a little bit of bedding cover, tons of feed, some burned timber. And I'm thinking there's no way that, because now I could see how steep that rock face was just above where they were feeding. I'm thinking there's no way they got, they went up that. They're still down in that pocket. And I'm calling and I can't get a response. And I got Carson uphill and Andrew downhill. I'm thinking, I know he's got to be here. So I walk right up to the lip, to this rock. And I bugle, I, I'm only probably 100, 120 yards from him. I point it right where I think he's at and I give it everything I have. And he instantly cuts me off. Nice. <laughs> I'm like, all right. <laughs> Sweet. So Carson looks over at me like, oh, yeah. And uh, I'm thinking, dang, he seems like he's slightly uphill, but he's going to come right around this big flat area. And so he cuts me up. I cut him off. He cuts me off. I cut, and we're really, mm-hmm. this is your classic sequence of how you hope it happens. Yeah. And I can see Carson and Andrew like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I hear some sticks cracking and I'm thinking, oh, this, this is it. <laughs> and uh, we've got a downhill thermal still. So I'm thinking this bull is going to come downhill of us. Well, obviously he's thought this through or he's had encounters here before. He doesn't do that. I can see him coming through the burned timber and he gets on a little bench right above us and he starts looking. Like, hmm. wh- where is this guy? Yeah. I'm, I'm here to whoop him. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm above him. I'm bigger than him. And this is a really nice six point. Uh, and Carson ranged it up 46 yards from where he was at. And then I see the cows start filing out above him. I'm like, no, how did they get up that high? I did not expect that. So I'm doing everything I can to keep these cows from getting away. I'm cow calling them, whatever, and they'd stop and look. And then the bull bugles, and I gave him another one. And he's pretty interested, but as quick as the cows decided to just walk off, he said, hmm. I don't see a bull here. Yeah, right. I'm I'm not gonna. I, I'm following them, and so it just uh, you know. In retrospect, I wish I would have went up another fifty yards up the hillside and set up there. He would have walked right on our lap. Mm-hmm. But with a downhill thermal, I thought he was gonna loop down below us. And he didn't. Then, but I found it was uh, like surprisingly like I mean I've definitely had scenarios where they come in they they circle you and try to get your win but like also a surprising amount where they just they don't they yeah. just come straight in mm-hmm. that's what this guy did didn't yeah he? they just come straight at you from wherever mm-hmm. they're at and it's like more often than not and so. one of the dangers of when you glass elk and then you go out of sight of them or to, to get out of their sight they're out of your sight. And it just surprised me that they had gained that extra 40 or 50 yards of elevation because it was so nasty and rocky. And there was such beautiful feed where they were at. I'm like, they're not going to go up there. (laughs) Well, guess what? When we were out of sight of them, they had went up another 40 or 50 yards. And sure, they did. He did come straight in, like you said, Marcus. And it just... 46 yards yeah. in the burnt timber just wasn't Yeah, he a just good didn't want to encounter. shoot that far. Yeah. So, hey, with the, the timber and so, yeah. I yeah, but I, I, so I'm talking to Corey Jacobson about, you know, my calling and these setups. And Corey's a pretty big believer that full moon will mess you up. Right. I'm still not. I think what we had is 
it took those two days of almost no elk for me to decide, all right, we got to go up higher. Even though the best food source is down lower, there's so many people in this. You went in there with me, Marcus. You know how tight of a pocket that is to have six guys in there. Yeah. That's rough. It just moved the elk. And it took a couple days of experimenting to find where the elk were. And once we found them, yeah, we, we had our encounters, but... Well, that's what it sounds like. That wasn't super high density, though. No, was it? Yeah. no, it wasn't. It See, that's rough when it's like low density. Because then I feel like a lot of times I hunt with the attitude. It's like, well, I'm either going to kill this bull or I'm going to spook it. Yeah. Whereas if it's low density, it's like, man, I really don't want to spook. You yeah. know, I want to <laughs> kill this thing or make sure I don't spook. You know, right. Because you're like, there are only so few opportunities. Yeah. And that tight pocket, if you go to the north, it's private. If you go to the south, it's private. Right. So I think there were higher densities of elk, but I think they got bumped yeah. over to the private. So, But that's uh, that's kind of my story. I, I feel bad. They, those guys said they had a blast. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they did. And uh, it's it, it just is the reminder of how on public land in highly pressured areas, a lot of things got to line up perfectly. I mean, a lot of what? 50 dominoes all have to line up. And yeah. if number 48 doesn't line up, you don't get to number 50. And so, oh, well, it is what it is. But archery season is kind of behind us now. Yeah. I might go oh. kill a bull tomorrow. <laughs> oh, okay. You guys go do it. I, <laughs> I'm, we're in town for a few days here, and uh, I've got so much business side of things that got to get taken care of that I'm not going to be of much help. So if anyone's going to arrow their Montana bulls, you, it's going to be up to you guys. Yeah. I was going to go yesterday, but between waking up and it was seven degrees and eight inches of snow yeah. and my, <laughs> my liver giving me fits, I hit the snooze button on the alarm at 4.30 in the morning and didn't go. So that, I have one day a year I try to go film myself and just me in the woods and usually it's a grouse hunt <laughs> and that's kind of what I was looking forward to but I just wasn't feeling that well from I don't know but so I kind of wussed out I'll, I'll try shooting in rifle season there you go yeah so, yeah it's coming right up yep yeah quick yeah, well, it's rifle season opens two weeks from tomorrow. Is it like on the 26th or something like yeah. that? I think tomorrow's the 12th. Yeah, two weeks from tomorrow, Montana rifle season opens. But we'll be in Wyoming, yeah. Michael. Yep, we'll be hunting deer in Wyoming. I, I have a... Uh, so, this is... Gosh, I, I hope I don't jinx myself, but when I drew this tag, it's a migration hunt. Mm-hmm. Everybody said, pray for early snow. Pray for early snow. You, you'll have your pick of humongous bucks. There's only... I think 15 tags or something. And uh, I've heard that before. I'm seeing all this snow. I'm looking down in western Wyoming, and they're getting all the snow we've been getting. I'm thinking, all right, the planets are aligning. But I just, I don't dare let my mind go there. It'll it'll put a pox (laughs) on our kingdom. So Glory tags. Glory tags, yeah. (laughs) It's going to be a good hunt. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. We're staying in a motel. Hope you don't mind. Oh, I'm cool with that. Okay. <laughs> like, I right. like the heat. Well, <laughs> nice and the, bed. And the reason being is one, there's the, the wind just blows so hard out yeah. there, and it really sucks trying to tent in the wind. I mean, we've done it before, but we also 
are going to have to be a little bit mobile based on where the deer pockets of deer supposedly are if they're really migrating and it's it's easier to be mobile and stuff from a I'm cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, that's what we'll be doing. And then we got Corey Jacobson and Donnie Drake coming for a rifle hunt in early November. Rifle elk. Uh, Matt Seidel from Onyx Maps is going to join us. So how we're going to do it is Corey and Donnie and their camera guy are going one direction. Matt and I are going another direction with which one of you guys? I think Mark's on that You filming that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, And then I just found out today that Sitka is sending a camera guy with us, a photographer. With us? With us. Do you know who it is? Yeah, Adam Foss. Oh, okay. Nice. Cool. So, uh, and then Bo. That's going to be a lot of people. I know. And Bo is coming with us with 12 llamas. Oh, man. You need another cameraman? (laughs) (laughs) And Bo still has a Montana elk tag, so... Yeah, it's uh, a lot of a lot of people around tags. That'll yeah. be interesting. Yeah, we need a lot of space to spread out. So we gotta well, figure out where to go. Still, well, well, already uh, got well, a spot. Well, well, Bo and I have been talking about it, and uh, well, I'm gonna talk to you when we get off camera because right. I don't want to. We don't want to give anything away. Right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and that was one of the things is we just need a lot of space. And yeah. So we'll see how that goes but and then after that we have uh uncle larry well in three days we leave for or five days we leave to new mexico with my uncle mike right so that's the beauty of my mom having six brothers i have well i had six uncles one recently passed but you have five uncles and none of them do much elk hunting other than when i coax them into it so this year we get uncle larry and uncle mike Nice. That'll be fun. Heck yeah. And then uh, where we have our, I have that either sex tag in Wyoming and you have the cow tag. Mm-hmm. A guy who lives down there figured out what unit we have. Mm-hmm. And he'd been sending me messages of, oh, I saw a big six point right on the BLM right here by the highway. I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, is he just baiting me or what's the deal? Because <laughs> I, I, I ran into him at uh, Elk Camp this summer. And he said, I was listening to your podcast. It sounds like you have tag number blah, blah. I'm like, Oh, yeah. you just said it out loud. Oh, did I? Yeah. Oh, that's how I knew <laughs> oh. <laughs> Okay. That's how we knew that. I was kind of like, oh, all right. <laughs> all right. So he lives down near there, and uh, he said, how are you going to do that? There's really no public land. I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's why you could get the tag on a second choice. But uh, yeah, so I sent him the maps of the areas we were going to hunt, and he said, oh, yeah, those are good. I drive by them every day on my way to work and on my way home. And so he sent me a message the other day. Yep, big six point. Jump the fence right here. Almost run him over in the highway. <laughs> Sounds like you got a good spot. <laughs> But I don't know. By the time we get there, those small sections of BLM land will probably be overrun with hunters and hunting pressure. But um, Maybe everyone will have it out of their system by then. Maybe. So we have quite a few elk hunts yet ahead of us. Yeah. So, but what else we got that's elk related for the mid-season? We've uh, done. We've done. Bo went on a hunt. Bo killed we, an elk. We haven't heard oh, that story yeah, yet. Yeah, our buddy Bo. So one of the things we're doing this year on our YouTube channel is trying to have as many uh, 
pieces of content as possible because we've found that people love our day-by-day stuff and they really love elk hunts. So that's why Michael went down with our buddy Scott Jones. You guys have seen him on many episodes. Uh, Scott lives in Nevada. And when he drew that really good archery elk tag, uh, he wanted it filmed and I was happy to have it filmed. I just didn't want to disrupt his hunt. But when he said, no, no, come on down, I'm like, all right, so Michael went and filmed that. And then we coaxed Bo into letting us film him. I told Bo, I said, you know, I know this area in Wyoming. I think you'd draw the tag with your points. I'd be happy to film that. And so he drew. And from the pictures we got, it looks like a really nice bull. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I think that's going to be a really cool hunt. Yeah. So the footage should be showing up sometime today. So we got those. We got a ton of elk content this year. Yeah. So if you're an elk hunting audience, yeah. tune into our YouTube channel, Randy yeah. Newberg Hunter. And please subscribe. You guys keep reminding me. I got to tell the world, hey, that little button in the yeah. down lower right that says subscribe, hit that so you get. And then you can ask for notifications too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we put something up, you get notified. Yep. yep. Okay. And then we've got our Amazon channel. Yep. Fresh Tracks with Randy Newberg. Yep. All the episodes from our 2018 season are up. Season yeah. seven. Is... How, how many elk hunts did we have there? We had uh, Matthews. We had Bo shot the one. You're Me New and Mexico. Jimmer went to New Mexico. We didn't get one, but had fun. Um, I, I don't know. It, it didn't seem... I think that was it. That was it for elk hunts last year? Three of them. Was it? Yeah. You didn't go on elk hunt? I didn't film an elk hunt. Yeah. Huh. All right. I mean, I didn't film. Yeah. But yeah. we had a bison hunt. We yeah. had a dull sheep yeah. hunt. Yeah, there's a lot of good, yeah. really good stuff on there. Yeah. And so. then we, we've been kind of messing around here a little bit, so we'll probably, at the end of the season, throw all of our stuff from around here together. It's yeah. some sort of day-by-day thing. Yeah. We right. still got a lot of season yeah. yet. I, I can't believe that when Marcus and I were in British Columbia, we said, so, we said you and Dan and Dale are elk hunting every day, two of the three of you. And how many days yeah, we did you We only got out twice. Twice. Yeah. Out of 14 days. I know. I, <laughs> I, I'm sure there are people listening saying, you would pay me to elk hunt for 14 <laughs> days in a row if I worked for you? Yeah. So what's what's the excuse, Michael? Uh, well, what was what was the excuse? Uh, so, oh, um, he's got he's got to make sure it's the same excuse no, that they we, gave when we got back. We got out. We and well, in the two days, the fr- the first morning we went out. We it was after a fresh snow, and we didn't see any tracks until we got back twenty yards to the truck, and then <laughs> right by. I gotta show you this video; it's hilarious. But right by the tr- our our tracks going in, we're uh, a fresh bull track. He walked right by my truck. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, I guess we don't really have an excuse. We I I was editing. It's not like we weren't working. We were trying to you know get get ahead on on the calendar. Um, I've kind of like hit this like. I'm gonna hang out and hang, like chill for a little bit, and maybe try and kill one with the rifle later season. Well, you do already have one elk down. Yeah, I've already, already killed an elk, and then uh, I don't know. Like, it just wasn't. Did, it. did you not understand the job description? Yeah, I guess you yeah, have to I don't, hunt I don't, elk I don't. in September. <laughs> yeah, we well. Yeah. That's kind of like if you were a farmer and said, you know, I've kind of had my fill of it. I'm not going to go and harvest these crops. I'm just going to let them stand in the field. 
Yeah, we kind of dropped the ball on that one. But we do have a ton of elk content. I promise. We should have had a ton that. plus some. We're gonna have. We're gonna have more. We're gonna have more. I'm going next week for sure. When you guys are gone next week, yeah, it's well, gonna be awesome. Oh, I'll, okay. I've I've had some at least last year. So, are you gonna? Who's gonna film you? Uh, we'll see. Probably either might be Jonathan's first go or or Dan. Okay. All right. I'm detecting BS here, folks. But, I'm going. Uh, yeah. Dale didn't want to go to where I wanted to go. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I guess next year I'm going to have to sit down and say, folks, in case you misunderstood when I say you need to elk hunt every morning around here, I, I don't mean go to the coffee shop and <laughs> come That's and what edit we were doing. some footage. <laughs> we were just hanging out at the coffee shop. I, I mean go and elk hunt yeah. till noon and then come back and edit footage. Yeah. We got so many people around here. The editing could get done. We should have, yeah, we should have definitely gone more. I'm kind of, well, I, I, there was, well, there's yeah. no excuse. I, I'm, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I was 33 hours north of here, so I can't Yeah, go. so are we going to say anything about your guys' hunt, or is this just no, L? We already no, did a podcast. We already did the podcast oh, before. Okay. okay. Yeah, cool. we already recorded that podcast. Cool. It's, it's already up by the time this one's up. Okay, cool, cool. So, yeah. So what else we got? Anything worthwhile? Uh, tomorrow's uh, the opener for Rifle Pronghorn. It's not elk, but yeah. I'm going to go help a buddy out. Yeah. Well. And then... Trying to think. Oh, we're we're selling T-shirts. We're gonna sell T-shirts. Well, don't tell the audience about that yet till you I'm, guys get your T-shirts ready well, to go. Oh, we got we got some designs. Well, but we're not having t- designs. Uh, we're building st- anticipation. Oh. so you still <laughs> you guys don't even have a a, a URL. Oh, yeah. well, RJ's working on it. RJ's, on RJ's got this got this stuff down. All I'm getting are invoices for all these outside contractors who are helping <laughs> us with this. It's gonna be sweet. You guys are going to like the like the shirts. All right. Some cool. So, well, I'd say we go and take that caribou out of the crock pot I got here. Oh, and yeah. And see if that's worthwhile. That yeah. sounds like a great idea. Kind of hungry. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll uh, we're now back more to civilization, folks. So I apologize that there's been such a gap in podcasts. But uh, we're going to start cranking them. We're going to stack some of them week after week instead of our normal two-week period. So appreciate all of you not completely throwing us under the bus here and saying uh, these guys aren't worth a darn. Uh, hopefully we'll have some podcast stuff worth listening to. Still trying to convince those attorneys to come on here and talk about corner crossing. Uh, and since I can't convince them, I might just do my own little, like, uh Legal, legal for dummies, <laughs> if you want to call it that, uh, version of criminal trespass versus civil trespass. Cool. Uh, I just know that once we do that episode, a lot of people are going to really send me hate mail. Because no matter which way you say on that one, you're going to have someone who's not happy. But And then we'll just do more updates from out in the field. There's still a lot of hunting season left. Yeah, there's still a it lot hasn't even started left. for a lot of people. Right. A lot of people start hunting opener rifle. I know, and we've already been on the road for two months. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we got a lot of footage. Yep. How many? A lot of really good. I, I think this year, the elk footage is like real yeah. nice, like really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Let's keep it that way. Yeah. 
Let's do it. Well, folks, thanks for listening. Uh, We'll have more for you next time. Uh, Appreciate you following along. And uh, have fun. Get out there. Go hunting, most importantly. Don't waste your time listening to podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) On your drive to your hunting spot. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There you go. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks.